Namo tassa bhagavato rahato sama sambutasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato sama sambutasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato sama sambutasa Uttam dhammang sangam namasami it's so nice to see everyone here this evening. It makes me forget what I was going to talk about. <laughs> I'll be excited. <laughs> it's a big night out, this is. <laughs> so we are... spend so much time just sitting on your own in silence then just even this amount of input is kind of um, stimulating mm. but uh, I always try to you know teach from or say things from a intention of goodwill so you know having fellow human beings here helps to stimulate that sense of kindness and interest in your welfare. Mm. It's easy for us to, when we meditate or practice meditation, it's easy to try to search for the one thing, you know, to have the system or the technique or the one thing in mind that we can kind of that's it, do that, you know. <laughs> and yet uh, what you find in, in you know, over time is actually it's not one thing, it's a sense of balance, really, of, of many factors that are needed. And, they, you know, it's finding the balance and the blending um, because this is what our, our system is about, isn't it? We have a kind of qualities of kindness, we have a sense of, incentive or purpose we have things that you know that's that's running at one level and you've got things that are happening you know things that are coming in you know current events you, you can have an underlying structure of intention or and you have new events happening and you have some kind of way of trying to operate with that which ones to put aside which ones to focus on so there's always requirement for discernment judgment balance you know what is necessary to put aside what is necessary to focus how do you support that what's necessary to support focus what brings you into your full resources of heart mind body you know so it's always that you know scanning out you know and spending time just um not hurrying, but looking through and remembering, recollection, recollecting the Dhamma, recollecting the, you know, the range of factors. And the Buddha always taught in this this way of of many factors. Sometimes it gets a bit tedious because you can line them all up in lists, and it sounds like you've got to remember so many things, you know and carry all this stuff on your head. But actually, if you go to do a job and you're not quite certain, it's good to have a spanner, screwdriver, pliers, you know, a whole range of things because you're not quite certain what you're going to need. So, you know, it's not that you have to use them all, but you're saying just keep all that there. You have that basic sense of of practice. Mm And then some pieces become very relevant, one or two pieces become really relevant. Yeah. <clears throat> so often, you know, mindfulness is is held up as a as a single thing, but you know, it's it's a, it's a very important factor, a cardinal factor, a trend a really uh, um, you know, it's a hinge point. But it but but certainly other things have to be in place for that and, and you know, Buddha said on several occasions, right view is very is the most important thing. Right view, 
There's no such, no, you would say, you know, this is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Right view is the, you can summarize it as the understanding of cause and effect. That uh, we are already inheriting effects. We have a body, we have memories, we have a consciousness that's sensitive, you know. We're affected by things. We're, we're actually, you know, being born into something that's always affected and, and impulsive. It generates new causes. So this is what birth is about. We're in a very dynamic system. We are a dynamic system. Yeah? And everything that we do, say, even, even the way we bend our minds, the way we incline our intentions, has effects. And those effects lay down residues they become the channels, they become the ruts, if you like, sometimes, down which our energies pour. Our, our, our habits, our ways, our idiosyncrasies, our addictions. You know? So these are, these are cause and effect. And it doesn't have to be, you know, doom, feeling of doom about it, because the teaching is also very clear that every moment we have a chance to generate some causes, you know, some good causes. Even those causes just lifting oneself out of the rut a little bit, <laughs> not driving any deeper, you know, that is, that's an action, that's an inclination, you know. So we look at particular, you know, obsessions we have and just say, well, let's, you know, loosen back off of that one. Or particular grudges we have and just say, well, you know, just don't go on about that, you know particular things we really hanker for and just say well wait you know how because this uh, how how much do you want to make your life driven by these things you're driven by grudges or resentments or irritations or fears or doubts or driven by uh, you know expectations of the future you know how much does your sense of who you are become a kind of a, a burden? And you put that aside and be a little bit freer. You know, can you try and make this moment something that is just rather special? You know, you know that is, is a little bit freer, a little bit less predetermined. And then we can actually deliberately lay down good causes. You know. Generosity, kindness, very obvious, not, you know, remote, esoteric things. It sounds kind of obvious in a way, and yet, do, do, do we do that often enough? You know, do we really do that? The tendency is to, is to drift or be captured by the past, be captured by the tendencies, captured by what the habits are already there, and just go along with it. Just go along with it. Some of them are not bad, they're not immoral, they're just kind of same old thing. You know? A lot of it's not evil, but it is habituating, and there's something in us that really likes habit, because you know where you are. You know, you feel... You've got your ways and means of doing things. This is who I am. You feel settled in that. And that's part of the, part of the thing to start to just look at. Like, is this really what it's about? Because yeah. freedom is actually isn't solid or from, from one's ordinary point of view, but it's very open, it's spacious, it's bright. There's potential in it. We can't be fixed and solid and at the same time bright and spontaneous and open. (laughs) Which way do you want to go? How much security do one need? How much pre-warning does one need about events? Hmm? And just to recognise that. So then actually we start to you know, see the possibility of doing new things. Look at you know. and just to gen- just to practice that. You know.
just for the sake of, of making the moment stand out, not just the running along. Like get up earlier. Yeah. Go to bed with your hat on. <laughs> Say hello to the postman. <laughs> you know. Put some food out you know, obviously put some food out for the birds. Yeah. You know. Just really just things that actually start to Say, hey, there's somebody here, you know. There's a, there's a definite oh, taking charge of volition, of the impulse of what we do, because of volition, that's the engine. Volition is that drive to do. That's the thing that generates and lays down karma. And how much of your day is already kind of decided before you've started it. You've all the, you know, the track is already there. There's this 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 o'clock and finally one of those, but get that done by. It's already laid down, you know? Yeah. And this isn't saying, you know, completely rip up the track, but just, you know, just lift five minutes. See how it looks. See how convincing it is when you can just lift, when you actually, you know? And the kind of slight, get used to that slightly exhilarating feeling of you don't really know about the moment. You don't really know. Just lifting. You know? You're not really starting a new track nor heading to the old track. You're just lifting up. This, in a way, is the big, really grabbing hold of that will to do, that volition, which is the seed of karma. So you just, just let's move in a different direction. Let's come back into the moment. Let's come back here. And that has an effect. Because on that you start to look at, you know, you've got a chance to look at what you do and think, I don't need to do that. Why do I always do that? Or this would be an interesting way of doing it. It's like lateral thinking, you know, comes out of coming out of the rut. So, you know, and then the advice of the Buddha, what he taught called the graduated path, was you start off really, you know, determining what you find valuable. So let's prioritize that. You see, taking charge rather than being run by things prioritize what's valuable and he said certain things that most people would say are beyond question generosity sharing goodness everybody loves that everybody likes that we like it when other people are generous to us we enjoy it it's a very easy way of connecting the feeling of empowerment with that it's a bit of a heavy word empowerment but a feeling of you know, as you're putting something forth from yourself. Listen, you know, always recognizing that possibility. And generosity can be generosity of time, generosity of heart, generosity of attitude, material things, um, you know, generosity of listening. Just that sense in which we bring something forth from ourselves. Because every time we bring something forth, the the residue of that is you're rich, you know. Generous people are rich. <laughs> Stingy people are poor. You know, it impoverishes us to, to, to um, you know, because it always takes us into the need syndrome. The generosity come out of need, out of that need, out of the impoverishment, into just the grandeur. And everybody can do it, you know, to something, to someone, sometime. And so actually this is very, because it really gets you in touch with the, the, the center that you want to operate from, which is your own heart, your own goodwill, 
you're guiding yourself and so you're kind of establishing the current in, con- in the conscious process which is many streams in it you establish the current that you want to actually put your boat in consciousness there's many many streams you know there's violence is in there potential to be violent you know, is there intent the, the potential to to um, be greedy grab hold there's a current there you can you know you can switch that one on or you can go to something else you know. And you realize that certain currents, like generosity and goodwill, they they make you feel bigger and grander, more spacious, more settled. They start to unify things. Whereas you see violence, it's always going to set something against something else, isn't it? You're violent towards anything another being or towards yourself harsh, blaming self-critical, then there's always something is fighting or against something else, with this generosity that, that encompasses, doesn't it <clears throat> so the sense of um, you know ethical sense comes out of, out of good generosity and goodwill an ethical sense towards oneself and towards others. So it's always this kind of holistic approach. Are you violent towards yourself? You know, violence is a strong word, but harmful towards yourself. Belittling towards yourself. Nagging. You know, seeing the, the negative. Fault finding. Or is there something that can be generous and uh, compassionate towards oneself, towards others, towards what's happening. When you see it's a stream, a stream of consciousness, then what you go into will certainly have currents, it will capture you. So if you want to go into negativity, yeah, that will be strong, that will be true, that will be real, and it will take you to a certain place. Mm. or you can go into another current that will kind of have a wider reach and take you to another place it's just a matter of really you know having understanding of cause effect care and concern for oneself for others because you can't really develop unless it's, it's a holistic thing, so that quality of consciousness is there and it, for all beings. Yeah. doesn't mean you have to like them, but you can at least give them, be uh, not violent towards them. <laughs> yeah. So this is, uh, it's called right intent, and the three characteristics of right intent come from right view, which is the sense of uh, non-violence or kindness, non-cruelty or non-dismissiveness, which is compassion, and non-greed or renunciation, which means don't take more than we need. And then you, as you, you know, and those are, those are uh, you know, they're both good for oneself and good for others. You know, just on a very practical level, or external level, you know, they make sense they, to, to living with others. So if you're not greed, you share, you don't demand a lot, you know, that, that makes life easier if we all do that. And certainly, you know, community like this is about is about really manifesting that and everybody taking that seriously and, and really putting themselves behind that those three values as best we can and, and so this is the way that a community like this can, can flourish as it does can survive keep going and also that other people you know other people are welcome to come in and be part of it 
under those values, right intention. So, you know, but then also keeping this going and, and touching into those qualities. Even when one, one, one's on one's own, meditating or sitting in silence, if you don't base it on right intent, this it doesn't count <laughs> as, uh, as legitimate cultivation. You're sitting, sitting still, you know, something, you know, tramps can do that, you know. You can sit still when you're in a coma. Um, you know, it's it's a matter of is this an occasion where that quality of right intent is present, is being felt, is being sensed? You know, and so this is where we start to get this uh, mindfulness because you're bearing certain things in mind. You remember, you recollect these these qualities, these attitudes. Hmm? And uh, so often what's recommended is just spend time thinking. Thinking is the easiest thing you can affect. You can't always affect your emotions. But you can, now you can think. And those thoughts, if you use them skillfully and carefully, can, can generate the kind of emotional warmth and rest and spaciousness that helps the others to untangle. So deliberate reflection Anusati it's called. It's bearing something in mind in the presence of that particular thing. You bring it up and you reflect on it. You measure it out. Spending time doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's saying, because, because that's so important, then there's a, there's a hazard with sense, external senses pulling out. You know, which is our pull out towards sights, sounds, touches, fragrances, and so on. In that they 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 jolt. They, you know, you lose that that inner quality. It's easy to get swept, and then you know the power of sensory input is such as things start rolling on automatic. You know, you see something attractive, and automatically the volition rushes up to get that to have that take interest in it, to be stimulated by it. You see something that's um, irritating, then the volition rushes up to push it away or to find fault with it or whatever. You know, So we lose that centering through... So the best thing is just to gather yourself in and turn down that outgoing activity. And this is something you bear in mind. You're mindful of that. So that these are particular themes you're mindful of, you bring to mind, you recollect, you remember, you might say, you keep in mind, and they also support the strengthening, firming up, and reflective capacity that fruits, that bears fruit as full mindfulness, or samasati, full recollectedness. You really are centred, able to bear something in mind, to choose what you bear in mind and to bear with, to be with it. Mm-hmm. So sense restraint. And if I learn anything, you know, in, in these years, and I actually have started to recognize I have learned things, <laughs> you know, sense restraint is, is now become much more, not just something I have to do, it becomes more standard, you know, I don't find the mind doesn't run out. It just doesn't do it. You know. It doesn't go out, it doesn't try and block it, but it just doesn't actually kind of run out into sights and sounds. Because the running out itself has got a kind of, oh, you know, <laughs> a restless agitated feeling to it. So just, you know. And uh, really what becomes most important is to is the mind state, generate to stay with the mind state, to be centered in that. Mm. So there's causes, there's effects, there's results. And basically, you know, with the morality and sense restraint, those are kind of
strange words to be seen as attractive, they actually make you feel happier. Because you, you get free from the blame, guilt, regret, anxiety patterns, and uh, you get free from the you know ups and downs being pulled out and patterns. So your mind becomes more calm and steady. And that's the point of it. So sati then is encouraged by all that. It's right along the path. You start with right view, right intention, then right speech, right action, right livelihood. And sense restraint is just that starting to, to, how much do you need to rush out? How much is necessary? And then what you do go out to, you go out with clear intention. This is worth saying. It's not just a blurt, reactive babble, you know. (laughs) It's worth saying. You decided that's a useful thing to say. And, and, uh, And it's coming from a sense of conscience concern. We really want to communicate, transmit something. And, you know, so right, right livelihood is always a bit of a, uh, an issue for people because it it's, does seem this uh, day and age to be a, you know, a place where you have to go into, into pressure, rush, pressure. But it, it's not really about the, the job so much as, as seeing your livelihood is what really keeps you alive. And there's a certain amount of need for material resources, but then what really keeps you alive is your own mind and heart. You know, otherwise, you're just basically existing. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody sent me a little kind of news, small news item. There's this uh, man, I think a manager working in. Walmart, which is a big supermarket chain, international supermarket chain, and and these people, he just set himself on fire one day, and people started throwing blankets over him to put out the fire. And he threw them off. He said, "I just, I just can't go on anymore with this," and just incinerated himself. You know, and people said he was a nice guy. <laughs> you know, and uh, obviously getting his wages, but. You know, what keeps you alive? What keeps you going, really? You know, you can be getting the wages, the pay, the employment, and still set yourself on fire because your mind and heart are so stressed. So it doesn't keep you alive. It's really, really important to get a handle on livelihood. So it's mindfulness there. Just noticing cause and effect. Being honest in it, clear about it. You know, the human consciousness, you can, you know, your mind and body and heart can take so much and that's it. And then it starts to go, get disordered and chaotic and it gets very dangerous. Very dangerous, you know. Depression, anxiety, addictions, self-destruction. So you know what you, you, you know, this is right across the board. It's what happens all over the world. It's not a personal foible, it's just the fact that the human consciousness system can bear so much and then it doesn't work anymore it starts to go out and what goes out is the sense of self-respect a sense of presence a sense of having in touch with the good heart awareness of one's potential one's choice to, to do good to find good to take a break to lift off from the where whatever one's pathways are, that's really, really important. So this is mindfulness.
it's not a technique. It's uh, it's something that's there just to keep keep us connected. You know, so we're not just the mind objects or the sense objects or the, the things that are rushing through. There's some sense of I'm witnessing this, I'm looking at this, I'm conscious of this, I'm responding to this. And to really, you know, developing training in that, developing that. You don't just do this in meditation. In fact, you know, uh, sometimes meditation is the easiest place to just drift. (laughs) Because it's like, I was saying to someone today, you know, meditation can be like the prison yard. You know, you've been in this incredibly pressured situation, locked up in your cell. They let you out in the prison yard for a walk. So you just go, way, Because <laughs> it's so nice just not to be under pressure. <laughs> but you're still actually in prison. <laughs> you know, you haven't found a way out yet. You're just in the kind of low pressure zone. So I think when we meditate, something's like that, you know. Oh, he doesn't, then just out, you know, just a dream for 45 minutes or so. So then, you know, this doesn't count really, but it's to acknowledge, you know, the power of the drift and how something that just wants to drift, just be carried away by something, you know, I don't have to work with anyone tired. Like, you know, deliberately bringing to mind, standing, walking, keeping your eyes open, bringing things to mind that actually, you know, they're not refined or difficult, they're actually benevolent. I practice every day, just as a matter of fact, is considering bringing to mind something to feel grateful for. And and it's... uh, doesn't take long actually could be the weather could be my state of health you know most often it's the presence of other people in my life which is wonderful you know, something you know happened today that uh, wasn't because i made it happen or said it should happen it just came You know, so it's a kind of conscious act of recollection of, of the goodness, you know, that one is in, and then try to recollect a good thing that you did, even if it's just refraining from that tempting bad thing that you could have done, <laughs> of which there are many, <laughs> particularly with speech, you know, just the kind of nice little cut, <laughs> slap, <laughs> you know, flippant remark, put down, whatever it is. Just, just know you've, you know, how tempting they are. Just, woo, let's just hold back on that one. This is mindfulness, isn't it? If you're bearing the balance, the overall balance in mind. And then it actually, it's got a furthering quality because the more you aim really for, for balance and wholeness and integrity and feeling steady and feeling good with yourself, then that itself is going to have a, has an effect. It kind of, it holds you. You're not so hungry, you're not so driven, you're not so, you know, confused or fluttered. You've got something there, which is the results of, of, of recollecting and staying in balance. And then, you know, so the, the quality of firmness that uh, is one aspect of mindfulness. The two real aspects of it, one is it's firm. So in this aspect leads to what's called concentration or firmness of mind, a unity of mind. And it's also, it's, it's uh, witnessing, it knows, it watches it assesses, you know, so this leads to the development of the wisdom faculty of the mind. Yeah. So these are the two, you might say, these are the two uh, 
qualities that stream out of mindfulness, but it's based upon, it sits upon this pre-exist, pre-formed, pre-existing goodwill, the understanding of cause and effect, and just, you know, really generating those things quite specifically towards yourself, towards your body, towards people around you, you know, and that, that's going to have effects. There's no way it can't have effects. And then, you know, mindfulness to actually stay in that stream of effect rather than drift off. So that, that you know. So mindfulness is, also has this quality of um, firmness. It means you, you stay with it. You bear it. You stay with it rather than just, uh, you know, because impressions come and go, there's interest, there's movements, there's set, you know, sometimes things, uh, you know, flowing through, but actually you, you hold, you bear with something and you keep bringing it back till it becomes firm. And the obvious practice with this is mindfulness of breathing. Breathing's coming and going, it's got subtle, soft, spacious qualities to it, it's got quite firm qualities to it, it rises, it bright, sharpening, it's soft, it's diffusive. And you try to stay with that through all those changes. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's not much to sense, but you're still holding that that sense, that space. This is what gives you the firmness. It's a firmness that's independent of the particular object that you're mindful of. It's a firmness, it's a firmness of resolve and intention. And that's going to lead to concentration or samadhi. It's also tremendously um, good facility to have in your life. You know, stay on track with what you're doing. Uh, It's noticing holding a conversation and actually staying on the theme of the conversation rather than just flip, 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 you know. And the function, the mindfulness also has this, uh, so it stabilizes, firms you up, and then has the, this ability to, to as a, act as a kind of a container for, for, for full awareness or witnessing, sensing, really sensing what's going on. When you hold something steady, then you're able to really assess. Uh, and this is, this is the, perhaps the most valuable aspect of mindfulness because you start to assess, evaluate you know, what's going on, how much is there to, to um, what's really interesting or useful. And so much of it in you know, mental content is just crackle. It's just white. It's just you know, static. It's just stuff <laughs> crackling off the edge of the nerves. Yeah. It just was, you know, it's, you don't skim it off. You know, it's like when you, uh, and some of it, of course, you know, there can be things that are really quite uh, major issues, like you know, real problems, doubts we have, concerns we have, and yet, uh, you know, with wisdom, so you can't deal with that unless there is mindfulness and because it has the you know big issues have the tendency to pull one in we get reactive we get involved we don't we lose that sense of of uh, of uh, balance with them you know? so just so just mindfulness is with that ability to to stand you might say stand beside a powerful emotion or a feeling just like it's right there and you're not running away from it and you're not going into it and you're not dismissing it and you're not believing it and you just just stay right there you know and just stay right there and see what happens just from that without any other action you know of any kind that is one of the skills of mindfulness because the 
the uh, you know, normally we would tend to ha- have an unpleasant thought. Think, oh dear, stop doing like this. Depressing mood. Or oh, try and brighten up, cheer up. Um, yeah. But when there's mindfulness, you can feel a sense of being present, firm, with. That has no particular agenda. We're just bearing that in mind. And interestingly, because you start to reckon, it gives you an insight into how a lot of these, you know, troubling energies, feelings, darkness, tightness, confusion, passions, they almost have to sort of ventilate. This is the way I look at it, you know. And, uh, and then they, they, they're sort of like a knot that's tied up. And you just give it space, it starts to unravel. And then it's no longer a knot. And you say, what did you do about it? Did you cut the knot out? No. How did you get rid of it? Well, I just stopped knotting it up, you know. <laughs> I just stood beside it. I didn't, you know. And it, the thing is, it doesn't undo by being absent from it. It doesn't undo by going into the center of it and wrangling with it. But it undoes itself when instead of having an action, a volition that's either tangling it up, saying you are this, you should be that, why are you like this, what's this about? It's just, uh, you know, bearing it in mind. Because this is, you know, this is the rather wonderful thing, is that if these conditions these formations, these energies, these memories, these passions, you know, if they were actually solid and real and lasting, there'd be no way that anybody would ever get free. There wouldn't be any Buddhas. There's nobody who hasn't got something, some knots. (laughs) You know? But they undo, they kind of unravel when the quality of craving and ignorance disappears. Now craving, you might think, I don't crave to be depressed. I can't see any desire in myself to want to be depressed, unhappy, anxious. This is strange, why do we suffer? Anybody want to suffer? (laughs) Does anybody like it? Does anybody not suffer? <laughs> so why do you do it if you, <laughs> if you don't want to do it? Because huh? of course the, the point is that we're not we're out of control. You know, something else gets in the driver's seat that rushes us down there. So you know, you, you start to examine with mindfulness, not you know, why am I suffering? When am I going to stop suffering? Perhaps I shouldn't suffer over this at all. It's not a problem. You know, don't worry about it. But just how does suffering operate? How does it operate? You know? Something happens and you get rushed to a particular place where it's chaotic, it's emotionally disturbed, it's turbulent. You know, something happens and you, something and you rushes to this place where you're actually unbalanced. We fight, we defend, we grab, we blame, we accuse, we whimper, we try and bury ourselves. You know, I do all these. (laughs) (laughs) So something rushes on there. What's that? Mm -hmm. The Buddha said it's called craving. A craving and ignorance. What if you don't see it? And it's this, this uh, craving to be something which either means that you we crystallize around our thoughts and feelings because that's, that's what craving does. It says, uh, you know, I got that. And it's a reflex or something happens and you, you get hold of it. Or you crystallize around not having it. As you firm up, say, no, no. No, and it's that craving to be something, or craving to get rid of something, gives us this kind of reflex of contraction, 
we contract around feeling, or we contract to defend ourselves, to expel a feeling, try to protect ourselves from an emotion, try to discharge it, try to dump it on somebody or something. This isn't a conscious decision. It's a reflex, just like somebody poking you in the ribs and you, you tighten up. Yeah? Yeah. It's a reflex. So it's not a conscious decision. With mindfulness, you start to say, I want to be conscious. Of that. And I can't necessarily stop craving, but I'm going to stop being ignorant about it. I can't necessarily stop the reflex, but at least I can shine some light on that. As we shine some light on it, this is the reflex, this is what it does, what it feels like. A lot of the self-investment in that, because now it's just, that's it, there it is. It's like that. There's no investment in that, or investment in not having it. So, it's to be understood, as the Buddha said, it's to be, this suffering is to be understood, quality of craving is to be thoroughly penetrated and there is this abandonment that comes through that. And just just to stand, sit, be beside you, be stay in contact with this sense of presence, of mindfulness, firm it up. And, you know, the, the pragmatism is, if you can't be firm, if you can't have that presence of mind, it's best to back off and build it up. Before, you know, so we don't just go into an immersion experience where, you know, just go wallow. It doesn't wear itself out like that. It doesn't exhaust itself like that. Certainly, you know, when I, often when I do retreats coming from an active situation, the first few days it's just like stuff is just steaming off, you know. And I could get impatient, or I could start to get into, you know, you should be mainly meditating, you should be bathing this, that, and the other. I think I just, you know, I've, I've heard this little story about what I should be and shouldn't be so many years, it's never really done me any good. <laughs> So just, you know, I know what I should be, so we don't need to rehearse that. But what's really interesting is when I don't know what I should be, I come off of the track, come off of the, the job description, the nameplate, you know, what I, the, you know, the, don't know what I should be, just really lifting. There's this now. And bear holding presence, bearing presence with that sense of self-respect, letting things unravel themselves. And some things actually, you do. One does need to kind of shine some light into. So a lot of stuff is you, know, you can find things that are just based upon complete false assumptions, fantasies. Opinions, prejudices, are not true. Shining the light. And the beautiful thing is to recognize that we have this light. If it wasn't any light, you wouldn't be able to see the shadows. You would better notice the imbalances. If there wasn't some disposition towards balance, towards order, towards stability, towards centeredness, you can trust that disposition. Keep in touch with it. You know, don't go to sleep on it, but you don't have to kind of pump it up. Stay in touch with it. This is what's called dhamma: balance, order, and. You know, a sense of like a like a wheel with a hub you know, to it. So this is how, how mindfulness 
as it firms up, brings these qualities of firmness, stability, you know, with the qualities of good intent and right view to, to bear, you know, and we, we keep that channel, we trust that channel and uh, trust the process, things working themselves out. There's also that sense of, you know, it's not a five of these, two of those, bang, there you go, next one please, job. <laughs> it's a matter of, it's, it requires a lot more faith than that, a lot more just trusting, confidence and openness, rather than agendas and goal, uh, you know, time scales. Mm-hmm. Then there's this lovely, then there's a real light. You know, to recognize this this light of consciousness, the light of the human being. And when you're mindful, then it's rather like coming out of a, uh, you know, coming out of a fire or something. And you've got a rope. And there's smoke and things crashing around and flames and screams going on. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to hold the rope or are you going to go into the smoke and the flames? What do you want to do? Okay, you know, there's all this stuff going on, but there's this thread. That's what you hold. Don't get phased by the thoughts, the emotions, the feelings, the energies. Hold the rope. And that's, that's the light of consciousness, the light of the mind. That's, that's where there's mindfulness, where the mind is really coming into its own, centering in itself. That's the possibility that we have as human beings. That's what we hold to. And, you know, you know however long it takes to come out of that fire and smoke, this is the only way you're going to do it. No point panicking about the fire and the smoke. <laughs> You know, or getting mesmerized by it. You know, hold to the light. And then it's it's as long as you know it's as long as it takes. But then practice doesn't have to be a race or a competition or a Olympic thing. Practice is very much uh, a faith. You know, and the sense of enjoyment and confidence in the path itself, in practice itself. And it doesn't really matter, you know. So there's a kind of sense of immediate freedom that comes with the when mindfulness is established. You know where you are, and you know what you start to know what you're not, which is even more important. Anyone?